All right, welcome to the State of the Lakers Thanksgiving Day special. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I hope you're I hope you got a workout in this morning so you don't feel too guilty about all the food you're about to eat. Um, I hope everybody gets to rest up and spend some time with their family. Um, I, Raj and I are doing his faces because obviously I missed the game last night. I had my first game as a uh, high school coach, which was a ton of fun, a roller coaster ride of emotions. Very different from anything that I've ever experienced in the game of basketball because you're so emotionally invested in the outcome, but there's really, really nothing you can do, uh, you know, other than offer slight advice here and there and a little bit of game planning. But the truth of the matter is, is it's kind of out of your control. So it's a totally different type of experience, but uh, also every bit is satisfying from a competitive standpoint, (laughs) getting a win as it is when you're a player. Um, So that was a lot of fun. Uh, But that said, I got to enjoy the game this morning. Uh, take my time with it, pause and rewind and rewatch stuff and get a really good feel, um, you know, for the flow of that game and a really, really interesting game. The lack of Anthony Davis forced Frank to go to some lineups that, you know, he never in a million years would play. And it, it kind of forced him to put his eyes on some, some modern basketball. And I thought it was I thought it was really interesting. But first of all, before we get too much further in, Raj, happy Thanksgiving to you, man. I hope you're doing really well. I really appreciate you holding it down for me last night uh, while I was indisposed. <laughs> and, and I'm really excited. I'm really excited to get to the bottom of this with you. this morning. Yeah, me too, man. This is this is a strange and happy Thanksgiving to you as well. And everyone in here, I'm surprised this many people on a, on a Thanksgiving morning. Uh, yeah, it's a little weird doing it the next day. Right. Because I'm so used to. Just, you know, jotting all this stuff down and then trying to formulate thoughts that make sense right after where you're still kind of emotionally invested in the game. And this is hours later and now I've been able to sit with it. Your thoughts kind of change a little bit in terms of like how you see the game. But I wanted to ask your thoughts. So what was your your big takeaway from it? We didn't get to hear you. Uh, You popped in while driving, but you had (laughs) you had not seen a minute of the game yet. Uh, you said your game went to overtime too, right? Last night, your uh, your high school game. Yeah, yeah kind of <laughs> twice. So double. you guys went double overtime. The Lakers went into overtime. It was just an overtime type of night. Uh, what was your <laughs> what was your uh, uh, what was your takeaways from from that game? So you know, I thought I thought the LeBron at the center stuff was the most interesting uh, part of the game, mainly for a couple of reasons. One, not only what it brought out of them offensively. But also, uh, it, they leaned heavily into switching with that lineup. Mm-hmm. They, they they did a handful of different. Co- there were a handful of coverages where, like, uh, they, they what I liked about it is they didn't switch indiscriminately. Like, for instance, there were a bunch of plays out on the perimeter where they would do dribble handoffs and little quick exchanges. Where uh, if the Lakers were feeling lazy, they could have yeah. switched, but they fought through those, and then they would they would basically switch on any real screening action, like a screening action that was designed to gain an advantage. And obviously one of the, one of the other, the the, the core of that lineup in the fourth quarter, not OT was, was THT uh, with LeBron and Mello and Monk and Ellington. Mm -hmm. Um, And then obviously in OT, you swap out THT for Russ. But one of the keys there I thought was LeBron, THT, Russ and Mello all have a really low center of gravity and they're all really strong. Mm-hmm. And so what that, what that means is as long as you 
you know, with those, those particular switches, they don't give up too much around the basket in terms of uh, post position. Mm-hmm. And with a team like, with a team like Indiana, you have your guys like Malcolm Brogdon who can put their head down and get to the rim. But there's a lot of like, you know, Karis LeVert really likes to mix you up and try to take jump shots. And there's a lot of jump shooting from Duarte. And, and then obviously they love to attack in the post with their two, with their two big guys. So having those guys that are strong enough that they're actually decent post-up defenders kind of allows that switching defense to work. And then honestly, it was just a lot of commitment uh, to the work. You know, Russ and LeBron in particular were both amazing defensively at the end of that game. Um, obviously, they weren't throughout the whole game, but uh, that that only works when the guys out there are willing to work. You know what I mean? And so especially the stars. And so it was, and then obviously on the other end of the floor, it became really easy. It was a lot of rim pressure. Um, THT obviously had a tough night again, finishing around the rim, but there were several times where he got into the rim and missed a layup and guys were available for offensive rebounds because he caved in the defense. There was a play where he dove as a cutter and did a quick seal, caught it in the paint and quick swung it out the corner to Ellington for a three that he made. So he generated some rim pressure and then obviously Russ and LeBron just driving the basket and and just making easy kickouts to great shooters. It was good process. There wasn't a fluky that wasn't a fluky offensive performance. That a lot of that was replicable and something that they can apply moving forward. Yeah, and it's a shift we're seeing, right? It's uh last night I think I talked a lot about how Vogel's trying to, you know, play kind of both sides of this defensive offensive thing. But I thought last night we saw a really good shift. Like LeBron at the five is probably something that he doesn't really like to go to. I said yesterday, too, he's a guy that he's a big believer in having big athletic dudes um, at the rim. Like, that's his base type of defense that he likes to play. That's the reason DeAndre Jordan starts. That's why Avery Bradley starts to me, because you have to play that base coverage. Uh, But last night, so we don't get the stats right after the game, so it's nice to be able to go back and look at at lineup data. So that that lineup that you talked about, the LeBron, Mello, Westbrook, Ellington, and Mugg, they played five minutes uh, in the fourth quarter and then three minutes in overtime. And again, net rating is, is tough for a small sample, but they were 61.4. They were a plus 61.4 net uh, offensive rating, 140 defensive, 78.6. And I only bring up those numbers because I think that's where they have to kind of win. Obviously, the defense isn't going to be that low. The offense isn't going to be that high, but I think that's kind of where they need to fit. They need to be a super, really good offensive team and then kind of just defend enough. And I saw that last night. Monk and Ellington are never going to be great at switching. Like you talked about it, but there's, they have like Monk has a speed to him that I think you can use, right? He was like last night and you talked about effort as well. I saw him put it in Uh, LeBron as LeBron. I thought at the five, his effort was so different than at the four. Uh, I wanted to ask you about that as well. Cause did you see that kind of shift? I thought when LeBron went to center, he definitely picked up his effort. Um, He was involved in every play. And I think that's part of it. I feel like when he's at the four, uh, it induces him to load manage or, you know, just relax defensively in a way that him being at the center doesn't. What do you what do you think about that kind of that kind of take? Because I feel like he he does when he was the main rim protector last night. I thought he was much more engaged uh, defensively uh, when he's at the four. And maybe I said this, too. I, there's just some negative energy with that starting lineup. There's some like counterintuitive to how this team's identity should be like they walk the ball up the floor with Russ with that starting lineup. And it's so against how he wants to play. And you posted that, that pit, that video today of like 
they got the stop and then like Russ and it's like an outlet to Russ from Braun. He's flying down the floor and he finds Malik Monk as a trailer from three. Like that's that's the kind of pace they need to play at. And I feel like that starting lineup goes against so much of it. But what do you think about that, about LeBron's effort kind of going up when he's the center, when he's the main kind of defensive cog rather than when he's playing at the four? I don't think it's overly complicated. I think LeBron is burdened by what he's expected to do offensively. I think it sits in the back of his mind all the time. I think he knows that, uh, like, and some of that uh, is something he needs to get over in particular when everyone's healthy. Um, This is something that I've been critical of of him with is like, hey, like, you don't have the same offensive responsibilities when everyone's healthy, so you can devote more energy to that side of the ball. But I think think when LeBron is at the four or at the three – his defensive responsibilities become more labor intensive in terms of how much mm-hmm. ground he has to cover on the perimeter. And that just takes a lot of energy, especially for a guy who weighs as much as he does. It's just a lot to do a lot of starting and stopping physically um, with his frame. And so at the center position, it kind of offloads a bunch of it. Off, it offloads a bunch of the movement responsibilities to his brain and to his strength. So for instance, it's less about covering ground and it's more about banging, you know, like mm-hmm. fighting for defensive position, especially on the, on the glass. And more then obviously, yeah. exactly. And he can make up for some of his unwillingness to be mobile on the perimeter, you know, in the dregs of the regular season by transferring that into, can you communicate, tell guy, tell other guys where to go, help dictate coverages and, and blow up plays with your brain. Um, and then lastly, with his hands, there's a handful of plays there in the, in the fourth quarter and overtime where he blew up plays without having to jump, um, mm-hmm. just by reading a play, seeing it coming in advance, knowing what the big guy's going to do when he catches getting in, in the way and disrupting with a swipe down or, or, but just by knocking them off balance, things along those lines, that's th- his defensive job as a backline guy is easier. Uh, for him to do in the regular season in particular, because it's not as physically demanding and little things like boxing out. LeBron likes that kind of stuff. Every single time that shot went up, he was, he was textbook box out low squatting, pushing Sabonis and Turner out of the lane. And that kind of thing, again, he's not that, that kind of thing to LeBron is, is easier than asking him to fly around in rotations and chase guys off the line. So I think that's the big reason why, the um, the LeBron at the five lineups look so good defensively. And then, you know, obviously uh, th- this is where I wanted to kind of transition into Russ for a second, because the, the whole, the whole concept of this team is starting to make more sense offensively when you watch them, um, it, at least in terms of the flow of decision-making. So for instance, like you can kind of see like mellow, mellow just knows where his shots come from now. He knows like, Hey, when I got a little guy on me, they're going to throw it to me in the post and I get kind of free reign to do whatever I want down there. And then I have this like blazing green light from the three point line. He knows that. And so as a result, you can kind of just see in the offense, everyone kind of understands where Melo is going to be aggressive and they understand how to play off of that. The same goes for LeBron and Russ. And it's so cool to see Russ kind of figuring that out because I thought one of the pivotal stretches of the game was the end of the third quarter where LeBron goes to the bench. They're actually down 10 and LeBron, LeBron engaged into the game defensively really in that third quarter. And he played well, but 
Indiana is a good team at home and they made some shots and they kept the game kind of at arm's distance at 10 points. And you could tell LeBron was frustrated. There was a stretch there right before he subbed out of the game where Malik Monk and THT both took bad shots driving to the basket and missed. And his body language got a little, a little crappy and you could tell he was just annoyed and frustrated. And LeBron has a tendency to, you know, when the game is achievable, he's really dialed in. And sometimes when it's going off the rails, he can kind of back out of the game a little bit. And I thought it was so critical that at the end of the third quarter, Russell Westbrook just put his head down and got to the rim. And mm-hmm. there was a stretch right to end the quarter where it was, he drove to the basket, made a layup. Then he, on the very next possession, drove to the basket, kicked out to Malik Monk. And Malik Monk uh, uh, used that closeout from the defender to get a little bit of a step uh, to make a, a pull-up three to score a fifth point. And then obviously he went right back down, drove to the basket, drew a foul, made two free throws. And it's like, bam, 7-0 run. We just turned this 10-point deficit into a three-point deficit. Now LeBron's checking into the fourth quarter, believing that his team can win. You know, and having that with Russ is such a huge advantage because like he he has looked so good over these last few weeks. Mm-hmm. And I think and I think it's hard to, you know, especially with the, 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 the NBA fans at large, non Laker fans, they have a tendency because they don't watch the team enough that Russell Westbrook just becomes the punching bag. You know, and we saw that with we saw that with Kendrick Perkins yesterday with that asinine take that he had on, on TV that kind of was making the rounds. But Russ has been fantastic in the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And like, even with his game tonight, five of 15, just took a ton of rim pressure and what that does to generate quality looks for the rest of the team. And you could see the pathway. The pathway is Russ just putting his head down and getting to the rim when LeBron's off the floor. Um, there, and, in, and for the most part in crunch time, deferring back to LeBron and it works. You could see that. And obviously Anthony Davis has to find a way to fit into that too. But I was really, really impressed with that offensive give and take throughout the game. Yeah, and I've been saying Russ has been having these like nuclear type of quarters, right? Where he just it's a nuclear tidal wave, uh, and I would like to see a little bit more of a consistent effort, uh, consistent attack through it. But he picks his spots, and he's been much better. Like you said, these last few games, I think on the road trip, uh, he's been pretty much the only one playing with the type of urgency. I think uh, he's been one of the few guys, and he's really picked them up. Uh, he's been huge. His rim attack was great last night. I think LeBron, like, not to pig this back onto LeBron at the five, but the reason we had to play LeBron at the five, in my opinion, is because we have one serviceable center on the on the roster right now, right? Uh, especially last night without AD, it's pretty much just Dwight Howard, which I think is why you know Vogel was searching and he found this uh, Bron at the five lineup. But I think it just it opens things up for Russ too. It just it opens all the good stuff for Russ when you have the amount of spacing that. Bron at the five gives, plus adds another playmaker to that, right? Even when it's Russ with AD at the five, AD's not the type where you can throw throw the ball to him at the top of the key and he playmakes out of it. And I think it's just nice for Russ to have that. I think Malik Monk next to it too. Another guy you can give the ball to. Russ does a lot of this drive where he just touches the paint. Like his whole goal is to just touch the paint, right? And he collapses the defense in whatever way, kick it out. And if he has all these guys around him, uh, it really works. I thought Wayne Ellington was a big part of last night too. Wayne Ellington, I think, went five for seven from three last night. Uh, And I was so huge on him in the summer. And I thought uh, we really used him and Malik Monk's strengths uh, to our advantage. And I want to ask you about this because they went to the uh, they went to the inverted guard screens. Right. And I've been asking for this uh, with Ellington, with Monk. And we saw that with Braun at the five. What did you think about that? Because I think that's something we really should keep going forward. Uh, I harped on in a lot last night uh, how much. 
I hope that stays in the rotation. And I don't think, I know you said like LeBron likes to have more of a physical uh, toll on him rather than having to move around. But I still think it's a lot for him to play center in huge, in a huge amount of minutes. But I think it's something we can go to with our second units, like the Russ Bron led units. Uh, if you can have Bron- LeBron at the five in those units, I think that's somewhere we, we can, something we can use to our advantage when 80s off the floor. Uh, because I don't think I think we only have one serviceable center, and we we'll see Dwight Howard has these up and down games. Um, but what do you think about that? Because I thought that was a huge part of last night too. Uh, it looked like LeBron ball, right? And this is something LeBron's done all his career. He did it with KCP a lot. I think Ellington's a better shooter. Ellington might have even more gravity. There was a bunch of ghost screens where he'd fake the screen, but uh, and then Malik Monk coming and set the screen. Just having shooters with gravity around. But what do you think about that action? Because I think that's something important we can take uh, into into the games here. Yeah, Bron Ball is the is the phrase that came to my mind as I was watching the tape um, because it's where he feels most comfortable. It's his style of play. But the irony is that's right. that kind of is Russ's style too. And one of the downsides of LeBron Ball is you know when he he can get fatigued when you really wear him out by having him consistently make decisions off, at, at the top of the key. So having Russ as another option there you know, kind of like a second side creator is huge. Um, you know, especially since this season he's shooting like 35% on wide open threes. I think he's actually, he's right around 30, 30. I can't remember if it's 34 or 36, but it's right around 35% that he's shooting on wide open threes this year, which is well enough that it's not going mm-hmm. to kill you. Um, if he, if he continues to get good looks out of it, but you know, the, the thing with the guard, the inverted guard screens is really interesting because the, the reality of it is it's such an uncommon basketball play that guards don't really know how to defend it. You know, they don't, mm-hmm. they, they don't want to switch on to LeBron. So, you know, there's a tendency, it, it confuses defenses, you know, like obviously when coaches are practicing pick and roll coverages or talking about pick and roll coverages before a game, they're envisioning LeBron and Russ running screening actions with DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard, or maybe they're prepping for Anthony Davis because they don't think he's going to stay in his hotel room. So the point is, is like, it's a confusing action because it's not something that you're necessarily prepared for. And they're going to, they're, they're going to in all likelihood want to switch it eventually. Um, especially in like a playoff series, you know, when they can scout it a little bit more, but that's a switch you don't want to give up um, because now you've got LeBron going against a smaller, a smaller defender. But then the flip side of that is more often than not with a switch like that, guys are going to botch it. And when they do, they're going to overplay LeBron because you, if you're obviously you're, instinct is to go to the better player. So there were a ton of those sequences. Uh, two of them, I think that I can remember in the fourth quarter in particular, where Ellington and Monk, like you call them ghost screens, come inside a screen and then just quickly slip it. Both guys mm-hmm. stay with LeBron. It's just an easy swing pass and you're getting a wide open look out of it. And yeah, yeah I, I'm with you. It's a, it's a, it's a really, really interesting wrinkle. And, you know, obviously Anthony Davis is the guy who's going to play the five, the vast majority of the time, as it should be. Um, but in a playoff series, AD is going to play 40, 42 minutes. I don't see why not at all in specific matchups, at least, um, that you couldn't go to LeBron at the five, uh, for, for a five, six minute stretch or a two, three minute stretch a couple times during the game. Um, it's a, it's a really, really interesting wrinkle. And this is the, the last thing I wanted to say about LeBron at the five. Um, you know, he's, he's like Draymond when he's dialed in, he's, that level of defensive player when he's dialed in. Um, Obviously it's completely irrational and unrealistic to ask him to do that full time, um, especially with what we need from him elsewhere on the floor. 
But it's a really, really interesting example of modern basketball because, you know, Anthony Davis, as great as he is and all of the good that comes with him vastly outweighs these issues, but he's a little bit slow in straight line speed. So in transition, he can get lost sometimes. Um, And his center of gravity is high. So he can be pushed off of his base really easily. Uh, We saw that with the Pistons with Isaiah Stewart. He just in box out situations has a a tendency to get beat. And some of that is his own physical wilting away from the confrontation. But a lot of it is also just his high center of gravity and the fact that he's very top heavy and he doesn't have a very strong base. So it's easy to push him off of his spot. LeBron, in a weird way, is such a perfect modern center because it when you play him at the center, the overall foot speed of the lineup is so good that they really, really excel in the foot speed areas of defense, which are transition and then in rotation when you're covering for each other. And the, and it's really, really interesting to see that lineup defend and defend well, because all it is is mobility. It's a shit ton of mobility and guys not getting beat down the floor in transition and guys being able to cover a lot of ground in rotation to cover for each other. And obviously you're not going to do that full time. And Anthony Davis brings so much good to the table that he still is the best option at center for the Lakers as he should be. But that's a great example of why LeBron at center is such an interesting wrinkle slash curveball that the Lakers should go to more often. Yeah. And say he's like a Swiss army knife, but that's probably, that's probably underrating that he's a Swiss army knife with all the separate specialties of every knife or whatever. But yeah, him defensively, man, like at the center, I just like that look. Uh, it, It gives us some speed when I think, like Vogel's trying to make us a slow down type of defense. And I, I just don't think that's what this team is. Again, the video you posted, I think is, is perfect with that. Just guys flying around. I thought THT was a big part of it as well. And it's cool to see LeBron, you know, have one of those performances. Uh, I thought last night was probably one of the first of the season where it was just, he looked like one of the, he looked like the best player in the world. And uh, he, he saw him hunt the bonus as well on those switches. You talked about teams will probably want to switch that. And he, he put up Carmelo's man to get Sabonis on him took a bunch of step back threes that went in, got to the basket a few times, just good process stuff, stuff that he's starting to get more comfortable with this team. Russ trying to get more comfortable with this team. Uh, I hope hopefully, like we said, after the Detroit win, hopefully that was something to build off of. I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go on the, go and say that about this one yet. Uh, but it's, it can be, I thought that was a good win last night without AD. Our big three has only played eight games together, which is, which just sounds so weird when you say it out loud. Uh, and this is game 20. There's stuff to really build off of from from this win. Uh, and uh, did you have anything else uh, from last night's win? Last night's win. Yeah, to go over? yeah. Two two quick notes. I, w- I wanted to talk about um, LeBron, and then I wanted to talk about THT in his process mm-hmm. tonight because I I thought THT had better process tonight, even though he didn't necessarily shoot the ball really well. So mm-hmm. uh, first of all, with LeBron, you know what's interesting is it's uh, the way he's aged. The the addition of high end shot making has allowed him to continue his impact in a lot of different ways. Cause it's funny. Cause we always get into debates with people about the best version of LeBron, right? Like we argue, mm-hmm. um, we argue, you know, oh, is the 2013 LeBron, the best or is 2018 LeBron, the best. And, you know, I've always favored the older version uh, of players. Like I think Steph right now is better than he was in 2016, because I do think that your IQ can be your greatest weapon as a basketball player. You know, it's funny. Like I, when I was, when I was 21, I had a, I could put my elbows above them. I could, uh, I was way faster 
I, you know, I, I had this, you know, this quick twitch, like lightning speed and all that stuff, but I, I was not even a tiny fraction of as good of a basketball player as I am now, not even because of this, the, the, the skill stuff, but just because of my understanding of, of when to be aggressive, when not to, you know, understanding pivotal moments of the game, how key, how important this rebound is, how important this extra possession is like, okay, on this particular possession, if we get a basket, this team might fold mentally. So this is the one where I really have to make sure we get a good shot. Like that kind of stuff is the stuff that you get when you're later in your career. And that with LeBron is better than ever. His understanding of when to put his imprint on a game is at an all-time high. And when you couple that with his inc- improved shot making, his ability, his ability to knock down those fadeaways, his ability to knock down those off-the-dribble threes, he has turned himself into a hell of like a, a hell of a different version of himself. You know what I mean? And and same thing goes with defensively. You think of, you know, late Cavs LeBron, you know, first stint Cavs LeBron and Miami LeBron is like this unbelievable down the floor athlete who's erasing shots around the rim as a as a jumper. And now he's blowing up plays around the rim under the rim as more of a Draymond style verticality, knock guys off balance and strip them below the basket type of defender. And it's really interesting to see that evolution. And, you know, and then here's the reality. He, he didn't have a great game from an athleticism standpoint last night. There were several plays that he usually dunks where he didn't. There was one where he went up for a dunk and the bounce wasn't there and he had to divert to a finger roll right at the end. There was a play at the end of the fourth quarter Mm -hmm. where he made a left-handed layup in transition where, you know, b- before his abdominal injury, he's probably still hanging on the rim. The point being is he's going to continue to get his legs underneath him. And I still think he has a season left of that, of all of that package put together, including some of that nuclear athleticism that makes him so good. But the exciting part, the reason why I brought it up is that shot making and that IQ piece and that strength piece and that backline defense piece really opens the door to a late prime for LeBron when he's 38, 39, where he can become your second best player, where he can become your third best player and still be a serious impact on winning. And that should excite Laker fans because there's a lot of worry about this window, right? And how long it's going to last. But the, the reality is, is if LeBron is this good of a shooter and he's this smart and he's this capable of a below the rim defender, then he's going to be really good when he's 38 and 39. And that's exciting. And it, it ex- extends the window. Yeah. And uh, I think his jumper looks great to start this season. Uh, he's shooting like, I think he's shooting like 37% from three, but it just, just looks good. He looks comfortable. Uh, he's shooting when teams go under um, and they need his jump shot. The way that we're playing right now with the spacing that we have, um, but you're right. He looks great. I don't know if it will, He'll do this every night defensively. The team needs it, and I keep saying it's probably unfair to have to rely on him this much defensively uh, in year 19. But if we can put him more at center, if that's a little bit less taxing uh, on his body, just being that final rim protector instead of flying all around where he has to rotate a million times, uh, maybe we can go to that. Because I think having just one center on the on the team, like having DeAndre Jordan as your own as and DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard as your only centers and only one of them as serviceable. Like, I would love to go more to this Braun at the five lineups. And, and he took over last night. Like, that's that's what, what last night was. Like, in that fourth quarter, late-game offense has pretty much just been him with the ball. I think when uh, we talked about over the summer, 
We thought it would be like a shared kind of thing between Russ and LeBron, and it really hasn't, um, right? It, it's pretty much just been LeBron with the basketball and him deciding where to go. Russ is in the dunker spot or spaced out. Uh, it's been LeBron taking over any of the close games we had. And again, he's only played in nine games this year. Uh, but we've kind of seen what the what like last night looked like what we would do in the playoffs, right? Of course, AD wasn't there, but it's it, that's what my picture was for this for last night. And the theme for me last night was there's a good team in here somewhere, right? Like there's a good team in here somewhere. Whether you know this coach finds it, the next coach finds it, whatever. There's a good team in here somewhere, and I thought last night was a picture of playoff, kind of playoff basketball. What we would do be LeBron at the top, have have incredible shooters that we can use as screeners. AD obviously would be on the floor as well. Just that that was my theme for last night. Would you agree with that as well? Like there's a good team somewhere in here and uh I think I hope we can find it pretty soon. There's a great team in here somewhere. Mm-hmm. I I'm 100% with you there. I mean, you know, this is obviously we haven't had enough uh data to really go on here, but the truth of the matter is is you know, a lot of these losses have been with a team that doesn't remotely resemble what we're going to be depending on when things matter. And so it's hard. You got to you got to always, you know, compartmentalize that you can still get frustrated with the identity. Right. Like it sucks when, you know, you lose in a game that you have less talent than you expect. But your process also sucks. Like, of course, you can be upset about that. And this team has been, frankly, not fun to watch. And and there's yeah. a lot of people who were saying that last night. And I 100 percent agree. And it's been something that I've complained about all year. And I hope they fix those things. But the reality is, is they're six and three with LeBron. Uh, five and three when LeBron and AD both play. My guess is that by the time we get to the all-star game, uh, all-star break with LeBron and AD on the floor, we'll be hovering right around that 60 win pace. That's, that's what I expect in, in the games that LeBron and AD play, which is where it's always been. Um, you know, this is just, it's just been frustrating because even within these games, you're like watching, you're like, okay, we're trailing by 10 to Cleveland in the third quarter before we finally turn it up and make some stuff happen. We screw around with the Houston Rockets the entire game before Mm -hmm. LeBron and everybody dials it up and we get it. Our process has been shitty for lack of a better word, but the, 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 it's all in there still somewhere you just have to be careful because if you don't establish those good habits, you may not be able to flip that switch, you know, when the time comes. But the last thing I wanted to say, as far as THT goes, I just, I thought his process was way better. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he wasn't, he missed a lot of layups, but they were layups that he usually makes and they were layups when he had an advantage. So it wasn't like what he had been doing in the previous three games where it was a lot of like, here's a boatload of bodies and I'm just flying into people, uh, into the crowd with no real opportunity to, to generate anything good. And here's a turnover. Or here's a bad missed shot. It was significantly better process from THT. He had a couple of tough jump shots that he took, but they were both late clock. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not terribly concerned with, um, you know, late clock. I want THT to, to try to make make anything happen. But for the most part, I thought his shot quality was better. And I, I there, the, the, the main stuff with him is he got lost off ball a few times on defense. That's the stuff he's got to continue to work on. But THT, I still think, makes sense. Um, as a guy who can be a, a, a core piece of this rotation. Yeah, and I really like they used him as a screener last night as well. It just gives him a chance, uh, especially with LeBron, to be a ball handler going downhill instead of him just having to get the ball at the top of the key. Like I keep seeing like every time he gets the ball, it's, the, it's this like, oh, it's my turn now to go. Um, and last night, again, on the rewatch, it looked a lot better. You're right. His process looked much better. 
he's still not shooting as much as I'd like him to. Like, I think he's being left open. Uh, I think there's shots there for him. But yeah, again, another guy that used as a screener where if they trap LeBron, you have THC now in a four on five situation and with the ball handling he has and the, and the playmaking ability he has, I think that's something we can uh, really go to. And I think going away from the zone, uh, we really oh, went yeah. away from I'm the zone. I'm sick of the zone. I'm done yeah. with the <laughs> Yeah, I'm really against it. And uh, we went away from that in the second half. But on the first half, we went to it a ton. And THT, Malik Monk, like those guys were just getting lost. Uh, and the point of the zone, right, is just to stop the dribble penetration, uh, the point of attack defense. But we gave up so many corner threes, and I thought THT really fit into that. You talked about the stronger issue, the stronger lineups that we have. And THT fits into that, right, where he can switch. I thought he did a nice job boxing out on Sabonis. You give him just a straight straight scheme, a lot of switching, um, and I thought he played a lot better. Uh, the zone, he looked lost <laughs> in that zone, and it looked like mm-hmm. they didn't know what they were running, a 2-3, two, 3-2. Three, three, two. It, it looked really confusing at times, but uh, yeah, I thought it looked. I thought he was much better, man. He's, he turned 21 today, actually, I think, so uh, I'm not sure if it's today or yesterday. But yeah, it is today. It is the 25th. Today? Okay, yeah, happy birthday, THD, but, but yeah, I thought uh, he looked a lot better, and he's going to be a big part of this rotation. He's I thought he was great defensively. He was part of those uh, lineups in overtime as well. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's growing. Uh, we'll we'll see going forward. He's still not putting up the numbers he did when he came back uh, the the first three games back. But he's getting more comfortable in his role, and I think he has to. He has to be an off ball player on this team, right? He's not going to get the on ball uh, possessions if he was on another team, another bad team. He's going to be playing next to Russ or LeBron, and I think you seeing him get more and more comfortable. Uh, and uh, yeah, that was a better, better process game from him. Yep. I hundred percent agree. All right, guys. So here's the deal. So we, uh, Raj did a, a spaces last night. I'm going to combine the two of those for any of you who missed any part of those two, I'm going to combine the two of them and, and put a pod out here probably in about an hour. Um, so you'll be able to listen to that there. Uh, we will both, I believe. So I have a game tomorrow at 7 30 PM, but it's a high school game. So it should be over in about an hour and a half. So I'm going to miss maybe the first quarter, but I'll be able to watch the vast majority of tomorrow's game. So we will for sure be doing a spaces tomorrow night. Um, happy Thanksgiving to all of you. Uh, you know, I know we, we've said this several times, but I know Raj and I are incredibly thankful for you guys and for supporting us. Um, we continue to just be completely blown away that, uh, as many of you guys do come and support us and hang out with us after the game. And it, and it encourages us to, you know, put the work in and to continue to watch and try to learn about this team and give our two cents. And, and, you know, obviously I appreciate you as well, Raj, for being along for this ride. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Uh, everyone who came out, I appreciate it. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well, man. Appreciate you as well going on this journey with me. And I feel like uh, we're growing something here and, and it's been cool to see the support every single game. Uh, the support on the podcast has been just great. And, and uh, yeah, we're really, really thankful for it. Really appreciate of it. Mm-hmm. Thanks, everyone. All right, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we will see you tomorrow night. All right, guys. Part two of the pod is going to be the opening monologue that Raj had after the game last night. Special thanks to Raj for holding it down while I was gone. Hope you guys enjoy it, and we will see you tomorrow night. Uh, welcome to the State of the Lakers podcast presented by Dash Radio. Jason is out tonight, at least for now. He's uh, molding the minds of younger basketball players, uh, coaching a high school basketball game. He'll join us later, so I'll be solo for a little while. Uh, I don't want to talk too long. I don't want to ramble, so I want to do this one where I get a bunch of you up here. I just have a few things I want to get to, and then we'll move on. But, man, I think we have to start with 
LeBron closing this one. This season has been annoying. It's been a roller coaster. It's been up and down. It's been the Russell Westbrook experience. It's been fitting Russell Westbrook. But none of that matters if LeBron's not LeBron, right? If LeBron's still not a top five, arguably the best player in the world, I think those are all marginal kind of areas when you get to Steph, LeBron, Giannis, whatever. But if he's in that conversation, he needs to be for this team. And that's that's probably the biggest thing that we have to see here. And LeBron's missed a whole bunch of games. It was good to see him be able to get to this, though, right? Like, be able to channel this, even if it won't be in every game, even if quarters, even if he'll take off quarters. I thought it was just great to at least see that again. I think it was 39 points that he finished with, big-time threes. Uh, the late-game offense was pretty much all just him, right? I, I'm pretty surprised how in all pretty much the late game, uh, it hasn't been this sharing with Russ. It's been pretty much just LeBron basketball, which is mismatch hunt, uh, switch hunt, attacks a bonus. He really picked on him. I thought Vogel did a – I don't want to go deep into Vogel. We did a lot of that on our podcast. You can listen to the last few. But I do see him adjusting – I think the LeBron at the five thing is another thing that goes really against his ideas and what he likes to do as a coach, right? Vogels is a very protect the rim with big athletic or at least seemingly athletic with a DeAndre Jordan type of players uh, where guards kind of fight over. But you saw him in that second half, man, go to LeBron at the five. I've been preaching this to play LeBron with shooters like Wayne Ellington, like Malik Monk, use them as screeners, use their gravity and that's switching in the end. There was a lot. They mixed it up, right? But I thought that defense was so much better. Uh, we held Indiana to 36 points in that second half until two minutes left where the Pacers really just went nuts. Uh, I think I forgot who I forgot who hit the three in the corner. Uh, and then Duarte hit that ridiculous three. Uh, Brogdon hit a few. But I thought the defense in the second half was much better. LeBron's effort when he plays the five seems to be much, much better as well. Uh, his Commitment to when he plays the four next to DJ, it's just ugly. And defensively, they went to zones. And I personally don't like the zone. I, I feel like players don't commit to it as they would a man or a, or a switching scheme. And I thought you saw that in the second half, uh, especially with all these small guards. It's tough. In a zone, you're basically predetermining where you're going to be, right? Like that's the whole point of a zone. And a defense is already a reactionary position. So, like, if you're already predetermining where you're going to be and in a reactionary position, which is why a zone is not something you can use as your base defense, right? It's why none of the 30 teams use it as their base defense. It's a switch up that you can go to once in a while. But I thought LeBron's effort defensively in that second half was big time. He was huge. Uh, he was in defensive stance pretty much the whole time, shutting off Brogdon a lot of times when he got him on a switch. I talked about this team needs his commitment on defense and it, it's not fair for him you're 19 it's probably not fair for him to you know have the offensive load as well uh that he has but still on defense this team needs him to be committed especially playing the center and I feel like he feels that when he's the five um as well so I wanted to start with that just a huge LeBron game I'm not going to say this is a turning point game because uh it's I said that after the Detroit game and that's not what happened at all it, tonight was another super slow start I don't know. Maybe it is just the starters have something where there's just there's no juice. There's no energy. Something about that starting lineup and, you know, Avery Bradley and John Jordan get scapegoated into it. But something about it just reflects some negative energy on the team where we walk the ball up. You know, Russ is walking the ball up and it's just so counterintuitive to way the way he plays when he's energized. 
LeBron as well. He's at the four. It's a lot more roaming, which I think induces him to to kind of load manage as well. I don't know. Something about that starting lineup uh, is just really not working, even though it fits like this archetype of a Vogel likes. But, man, in that second half, I thought it was huge to see Vogel switch up. Uh, people have asking him to, you know, try to switch his lineups. And in all uh, – and three guard lineup with guards who can't defend next to Russ and Braun is so against what Vogel wants to do. But it was cool to uh, to see him go to that. Uh, I remember when Luke Walton was the coach, we choked about LeBron at the five, right? And LeBron posted that kind of meme of him uh, all buff and all that. But we need it on this team with these guards. We saw Malik Monk, Wayne Ellington hold their own, right? And Indiana's not a great team. I think they came in at like eight and eleven. They're kind of middle of the pack in a lot of places. But Sabonis, uh, Brogdon are really good players. Levert is a good player. They're in the middle of a pack. They're a good team, right? They play at a baseline level where you have to match that baseline to win against them. And that's kind of what a 500 team is. And that's kind of where we're at now. But I thought this was really good in the second half. Uh, another another tough night for Talon as well. But he, hopefully he, he'll pick it up. He needs to be a shooter as well. But I want to kind of stick to that LeBron point. In that second half, I thought we really found something with the – inverted ball screens right and this is all a this is all a process Vogel's trying to find stuff LeBron's trying to find stuff Russ is trying to find stuff but that inverted ball screen where we use Ellington or Monk as a screener we got so much out of that and I thought that kind of carried us for most of that most of that game LeBron spammy again being able to pick out Sabonis and he can't do that if he's playing next to another center right like if he's playing next to DeAndre Jordan if he's playing next to uh, Dwight Howard it's harder to mismatch Hunt because teams will just stick their big man right in the center, and it's tougher for LeBron to get driving lanes. It's tougher for Russ to find driving lanes. And it was just great to see the offense uh, moving that way, and our defense really picked up. I don't think Malik Monk and Wayne Ellington are going to be able to defend that way every night, but just they just can't get beat. And we got beat a lot by TJ McConnell. I thought he killed us early on. Uh, but we just can't get beat at the point of attack that we are. And that's the point of the zone as well, right? The the whole point of the zone is to take away that point of attack defense so that you have two guards basically uh, shutting off driving lanes, right? That's the point of the zone. Uh, but the issue to me with that is we're just giving up too many corner threes, and I thought we saw that in the first half. But this was a good game. Uh, I want to kind of stay positive here. Uh, a lot of, again, coaching rumors and all that. And another a game tech tonight. I know a lot of people are ready for Vogel to be canned, and, and I understand that even though I'm not there. Uh, I just think firing a coach in the middle of the year, and I've, I've stated my claims on why uh, I think that's true. But I, another game like tonight, like I can see Vogel searching. He's a guy that lives in the film room, right? And again, I'm not going to go too much longer. I feel like I'm rambling uh, here. But uh, Vogel's a guy that lives in the film room, and he's not dumb. He sees... I rewatch these games. He probably rewatches these games five five times, right? It's probably just replaying in his head all the time. He sees what DeAndre Jordan is doing, but there's like a give and a pull. There's a give and a pull there, right? And that's the reason he starts Avery Bradley. That's the reason he starts DeAndre Jordan, just to just to have the archetype of a defense, try to instill that identity. And tonight, without AD, I thought it was super impressive in that second half. LeBron turned into defensive player type of year type LeBron with the offense. He can't do that every night, but we need his commitment on that end. But again, Vogel adjusting. These are positive signs to me uh, to take from tonight. And we're still a bad team in a lot of ways. We still have a ways to go. Uh, the rust fit still isn't pretty. I was thinking about this. Uh, rust does a lot of his attacks in this like nuclear wave, right? It's this, it's this nuclear 
tidal hit. It's this nuclear tidal wave, and we need some more like consistent waves. You know, we need a little bit more of a consistent attack. But again, tonight I thought his his ball control was a lot better. He had a few plays, like I think the missed dunk <laughs> that he had, or some of the turnovers that you'll get. Uh, but his energy I thought helped. We saw how him and Braun can kind of work. I really like that Braun at the five lineup that I talked about earlier with Russ kind of as the center there. Like even though Braun is the five, Russ is the Russ is the five on offense because he's the non-shooter in the lineup, right? So you'll have uh, you'll have Mello out there, or maybe you'll have Mello or uh, Ellington and Monk. And I, I just think this team has to lean in to that. And we saw how they can be effective defensively i love that they went away from the zone i love that they just stuck to a traditional switching with a little bit of a drop coverage where lebron's the you know guy at the rim that you have to that you have to attack so i thought that was great um let me see if i have uh anything else in my notes here uh yeah i guess last thing just on Taylor horton tucker he's gonna play man like i, I saw people you know pining for him to to be benched or to just not play or Taylor has to play like he 20 years old, these are the growing pains you're going to get. I've been saying he's probably not the player that we saw the first three games, right, where he's averaging 25 or whatever it was. And he's probably not this player who's missing layups at the rim and uh, who can't score a basket or missing all his shots. He's somewhere in between there. I think he'll find his rhythm. Uh, he's such a rhythm player anyway. Like, he's such a need-the-ball-in-his-hands. And when you're next to LeBron, next to Russ, you're just not going to get those type of of touches and you can see when he gets the ball it's kind of like oh this is my time now like this is my chance to run something and he was in those small lineups that I liked um and they used him as a screener as well I think that's a way to get him going but he has to shoot to me like there's they had Miles Turner on him a lot where Miles was giving him the jumper and he's too good of a shooter at least what his jumper looks like I think he's putting in too much work for him to be passing up um open threes like that uh, but uh, yeah, so I, I think that's enough of me rambling. You guys have Thanksgiving to get to. I'm gonna get to callers. So if you wanna you wanna come up, uh, request in. I'm gonna try to get to a bunch of people tonight because uh, I don't really like just talking to myself. It's kind of strange. Uh, so let me see here. Again, thanks everyone for coming out on uh, Thanksgiving Eve. At least they would say uh, you guys have probably family and all to talk to and stuff. Uh, while I go <laughs> rewatch this game, but uh, let's see. Yo, uh, Jonathan, are you there? Yeah, can you hear me? I can hear you. What's going on, bro? What's up, big homie Raj, man? What's up? Nothing much. Hey, man, uh, the THT thing, bro, uh, I think he got to do a better job at taking advantage of his touches. Like, when he get the ball, I think he be settling him for the jumper a lot more. I think he should attack more. I seen a play where, like, he ain't got the switch. He had a turner on him, right? And he didn't take the three. He got a screen, and he got, I don't, who was that, Brogdon on him or somebody? He had somebody smaller on him, but he took the three over him, and it was like, if he was going to take the three, you could have just took that over Turner, like. <laughs> right. Why, like, why did you pass that? But, yeah, nah, it was good to see LeBron take over. I told niggas. When uh, LeBron is out there, Russ won't have the ball, so that turnovers won't matter. So that was a good thing to see that to see LeBron take over like that, because that's what I be wanting AD to do. But he seems to just let Russ wing it instead of taking over and taking the last shots. But I don't know. That was a good win, though. I'll be in the house Friday. Hopefully, they do the same thing. 
For sure. Yeah, and on your tailing point, like, he definitely does. He's still in this, like, he's a rim seeker, I think, as they call him. He's a guy that just, you know, he's attack, attack, attack. Or he's, like, um, he takes these, like, one-legged fadeaways look, that look really pretty when, when they go in. Uh, but lately they've been air balls. I'd like him to, like, play the 3 and D role a little bit more. I think he's a better spot-up shooter than he thinks. He passes up a lot of shots. Uh, but when he does get the ball, you're right, he should be attacking. It's just tough. He's been playing in two big lineups as well, next to Russ, next to LeBron. Teams just play off him. You know, they play him as a driver. They're scouting him. Uh, I think I posted a video. Alec Burks, like, closed out super short on him, basically daring him to shoot, and then he drove in and threw up some wild shot, and I think he was, like, 0 for 8 against on the Knicks or something like that. But, but yeah, but he's young, 20. I think he turned 21 uh-huh. today or something like yeah. that. But, yeah, happy birthday, THC, but... But yeah, it's growing pains for him. But you're right, man. Seeing LeBron take over was was huge, and it's the most important part of the season to me. Like that's if LeBron's not LeBron, all this is is a waste. You know what I mean? Yeah. Thing is, we just we gotta buy time now. THC, he just be thinking too much. But I think that's gonna happen with all the little lineup changes. Like when the reason come back, it's gonna we gonna you know what I mean it's gonna be funny thinking out there again. They're gonna be out there looking you know crazy. When none come back, same thing. But we should have a star power. We should have enough to, you know, overcome that and let everybody find their rhythm wherever they got to, uh, you know, kick in at. Like, right? Yeah, we're we're shifting as a team. Like this, this is a team that goes against pretty much everything our coach wants to do. And then we have, uh, you know, star players that don't fit perfectly. So it's gonna take time. It's looked ugly early on, uh, but I think they're starting to find a little bit. I think Russ is starting to find his spots. LeBron's trying to fight his spots, and hopefully, you know, we haven't got too many games with the big three either, so uh-huh. hopefully when a- when AD comes back, we can start building that rhythm, and uh, this road trip's over. I think we're like, what, two and three or something, uh, but but yeah, hopefully we can we can start a win streak here, because this was a good win to me. The second half was good. I said that in the Detroit win, so I'm not going to be too ho- too hopeful here, uh, but, but yeah, it was good to see LeBron take over for sure. before we even can label what kind of team we are that's so funny yep for sure man uh my guy i appreciate you coming up right on that. bro appreciate you having me of course uh joe are you there hey Raj, can you hear me man i can hear you what's going on man hey not much man i'll tell you what golly man that was exciting bro just you're right man just seeing lebron uh you know do his thing taking over and all that good stuff I think for Vogel, man, you know, it's the classic. What I watched was LeBron's body language with some of the clunky lineups, man. And I think Vogel really needs to, because like Winhorst said, he's not going to tell you what it is, but I think he's giving Vogel kind of the answers to the test based on how he kind of perked up when he was at the five and you had, you know, those guys out there with the spacing. So hopefully Vogel can kind of key in on that. But uh, I was super excited to see the way Ellington and Monk battled man like for rebounds and things like that with those guys being small so it was good to see that man and was that the first time I mean it's the first time I saw where he did the silencer in the Laker uniform man I I made some (laughs) kind of noise in my living room that my daughter looked at me like I was crazy bro because I was just excited but uh enjoyed the win I know we got a lot to, you know, we got a long way to go, man. But just enjoy that win, man. And everybody on here, have a great Thanksgiving, man. Appreciate it. Joe, I appreciate you. And yeah, maybe, I mean, 
I can't imagine what you would have to because the amount of shit I bet LeBron hears on a game to game basis. I can't imagine what you'd have to say for him to come and point you out to a ref to escort you out. Like I just can't imagine. But yeah, it seemed to get him going, fired up. Uh, he had two big time threes. He was just he just looked like the best player in the world uh, tonight, and that was cool. Cool to see him kind of step back into that. At least we can see that it's still there, uh, and maybe John Hollinger can drop some more articles here. But yeah, man, it was it was a good win. Uh, and like the the LeBron sending you know uh, mixed messages to Vogel, I can't get there. Like LeBron's played like eight, what this is is what tenth or eleventh game. Like I I just can't get to the LeBron sending messages to Vogel. They've been through a war. They've been through a bubble. They went through a championship. I just. I can't get there, but uh, but yeah, good win, man. It was cool to see LeBron uh, hype after hitting some big shots on the road. Absolutely, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. Uh, uh Vladimir, are you there? What is it, Vladimir? Not ready. Yo. Yeah, I can hear you. What's going on, man? Yeah, I just wanted to go on Joe's point, man. Shout out to Malik Monk and Wayne Ellington. Uh, their their shooting was great from three, and I think Malik Monk had like eight boards, which is huge. And I know we talk about point of attack defense a lot, and to me, Malik Monk didn't really show that tonight. You know, he wasn't really getting beat off one dribble or one move. I think I saw that more from uh, Ellington, but. I just want to give them a huge shout-out. You know, LeBron looked amazing. You know, this is how we optimize our lineups. Just go back to 2018, give them shooting, and let them go to work. Yeah, I agree. And if they can defend like this, uh, and I think, you know, that late game kind of just switching everything, I think it tends to help them a little bit more. They're very quick. Uh, our starting lineup is so slow. And uh, when we play with two bigs, we just look so slow. And even if Ellington or Monk, are guys who get picked on and targeted. And I thought Monk got targeted a little bit in the first half by TJ McConnell. Uh, he really went at him. Uh, but in that second half, man, he really he, he stepped up, I thought, on both ends. Malik Monk was huge offensively. He's a big-time shot maker. He's a, he's a guy you can just give the ball to. I thought in the third quarter, a lot of our offense was just hear Malik Monk create, and he did. Uh, he was like step back, you know, dribble through the legs, uh, one-leg floaters. Um, he had huge threes off a of LeBron screen uh, off a of screening for LeBron. He was big time man and Ellington Ellington I think is a is a guy. He's not a good defender but he's a guy who's in the right places like he doesn't get he doesn't get beat off like where he's supposed to be as much. Uh Monk gets beat off like he's too small or uh like he misses box outs and that's stuff that's going to happen. Uh but to me like this team needs both of their offenses and I've been pining for Ellington to get more minutes. Um I like the Monk and Ellington next to Braun at the five. Uh, I think their speed is something we can use defensively. Like, we just feel so slow when we play these big uh, trotting out lineups. Uh, but you're right, man. Monk stepped up huge. Uh, it was cool to see. It was cool to see him have another big game on the road. This is probably his, like, second game he's, like, helped us win in a, in a big-time way just with his scoring uh, with AD out. Uh, it, was, it was cool, man. And I think we're progressing here. Every game you see a little, little small process things that are, that are hopefully trending up. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I don't think we win this game without LeBron hitting, you know, crazy step-back threes. But it's just nice to see that we have a closer 
you know, I know people like to harp on AD and, you know, being that superstar, but, you know, I feel like with just, with just LeBron, you always have a chance. And um, I, I like to see Vogel adjusting too. Like I'm kind of in and out on, you know, whether he's the right guy for our team, but to see him kind of go away from his philosophy and just working with what he has in front of him, I think it does show some progress. Yeah, man, that's why I'm, I don't know, I've said this a lot, but I just think firing Frank Vogel opens up a whole can of worms, a whole bunch of unintended consequences. The You have no idea who his replacement is, if he can instill what he wants. This is a tough basketball team to coach, though. You know what I mean? Like, the Russ fit just isn't pretty. And even tonight, it's still ugly in a lot of places. It's still, LeBron and Russ still have issues trying to attack at the same time. Uh, turnovers where they're both kind of it's a tough team to coach and you're a guy who leans on defense even if the numbers don't match that starting lineup uh, it matches his eyes in a way it matches his philosophies his ideologies as a defensive-minded guy and uh, we're going to keep seeing this man but small adjustments I think are happening I think the brawn at the five is a point to that uh, a point to that direction so hopefully we see that more going forward it takes a lot out of LeBron, though. I think those step-back threes were uh, kind of a, a show that he was fatigued because uh, Sabonis is a guy he likes to attack off the basket, like uh, off the dribble. Like Sabonis is just a guy he likes to go at, you know, as a off the dribble, and and he really stopped doing that. He took the step-back threes. They went in. Uh, he was he was incredible, though, to close. You're right. All right, that's it for today, guys. Thank you so much. Happy Thanksgiving, and we'll see you tomorrow night.